0: Hey everybody, I'm Sean Rosensteel, author of the School of Intentional Living and host of Authorized, where authors go live to reveal their insights, stories, and best lessons from their most recent works. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. I'm excited to have with me here today, Will Sharon, author of Dreaming in the 21st Century. Will, welcome to the call today.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah. So I just got done reading the book last night and it's such a neat, this is such a neat topic because my wife and I oftentimes we wake up and we'll share you know, our dreams with one another. Mm-hmm. And we've been known to have some weird dreams <laughs> like all of us, right? <laughs> yep. Um, so I found the book fascinating, as I mentioned to you here before we got on. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to kind of going through it with a fine tooth comb a second time and really taking a deep dive. There's a lot of great content in the book. Can you tell us a little bit about how this book came to be?
1: Sure. Um, so I, I set up a YouTube channel a couple of years ago, and I guess there's probably about 45 videos on there now. And, and basically what was happening was I was coming up with an idea about what I was doing, and I'd make a video and post it and then go on and so forth. And then what I realized after a couple of years, there's a lot of stuff up there, but it's it's not in any kind of sequence. And uh, so that that was one um one motivation. The other one was people kept saying to me, oh, you should write a book. Now, you know, I have this personality that whenever I reject something repeatedly, it's usually something I need to do. So after insisting that I wasn't going to do that for about a year, I realized, yeah, um, let me do that. And, And hopefully, you know, people have the reaction you did. But I have to also say, When I teach or when I wrote this book as well, it kind of forces me, and I think anybody who goes in this process, forced me to say, okay, what is it I think about this? And how do I communicate it in some kind of organized way? So the book's for you and writing it was for me. Essentially, right?
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. So so that's interesting. You actually put out a a bunch of YouTube videos first on this project, you got some feedback, Yep. started telling you you should write a book, and then after rejecting it, (laughs) it opened up the idea.
1: Yeah, you would think by this age I would understand that when I did that, it's probably a good thing for me to do. It takes a while still.
0: It does. It really does. Yeah, it's easy to resist those uh, recommendations. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. That's cool. So writing the book helped you organize your thoughts, clarify your ideas. Very cool. Very cool. And this is your first book, right? It is, yes. Okay. So, help me understand a little bit about how you got into this, because it's certainly a really neat and unique line of work. So, what's the background here? What's your backstory?
1: Well, uh, I started out life as a young man working in psychiatric uh, institutions, and um, initially with kids, and then got a master clinical master's degree in social work, and I became a a therapist at the Veterans Administration, and uh, I was also in an institute. So. These guys, all of them pretty much had PTSD, except we didn't have the diagnosis at that point. So I worked a lot with dreams, and I worked with dreams from the standpoint of what we would call pathology. For example, we would have staff meetings where we would go around and talk about patients, and one of the questions was, what's the patient's presenting problem? So in the therapeutic model and by the way this is not a knock on therapy and there are a lot of therapeutic models that have moved on from this but in the one that i worked in you started from this problem and you worked the problem from the stand- with a dream from the standpoint of trying to understand what the patient was immersed in okay so i did that work for 5 6 years then had a 30 year Career that involved being an actor on soap operas and a law school student, and I was fortunate enough to have some pretty senior corporate positions. And then that ended, and I was just thinking about going back to uh, recertify my masters. I discovered it would take me another two years to do that, and somebody said, "Don't do that. Get a get a coaching certificate." Hmm. I didn't know what that was, but that sounded like nine months is a lot better than two years. Here's the difference in coaching the container of coaching is you don't have a problem. You have an agenda. You are naturally whole, creative, and resourceful, right? So I started thinking about working with dreams from that perspective. And I realized, wait a minute, Hmm. I shouldn't be interpreting somebody else's experience. That doesn't make any sense. What I need to do is help them understand what they're trying to say to themselves. Now you can say, well, that's a nuance and so on and so forth. But when you get into the work, there's a real difference hmm. because, well, we can we can get into this. I, since I'm not interpreting a dream and I'm not extracting meaning from a dream, then that dream lives in you like any other experience. So, I mean, say, Sean, you meet somebody for coffee, you think it's going to take 15 minutes. You end up talking to that person for five hours, right? That's like our first conversation. <laughs> yeah. So, what happens, though, is over the course of the week, you revisit that conversation. You think, oh, yeah, that was really interesting, and now, now I'm thinking about this other idea and so on and so forth, right? That's what a dream is. It's half a conversation, and it's, it's inviting you hmm. back into that experience. So that's really been the progression, and it was, it was pretty quick. It was like 180 degrees. Um, and then I'll just give you one quick footnote. What I discovered also is that coaches don't use dreams. Hmm. Um, I just did a, there are these ICF chapters, International Coaching Federation. I did a presentation for the Austin chapter last night. And it's an eye opener to a lot of people. When I say to them, you're trained how to do this. You really, you, there, there's no secret sauce here, you know, listen and ask questions. That's it. You know, because, and and the problem really, Sean, is that's such a rare experience in our culture Sure. that we get paid to do it, you know?
0: Right. Right. Yeah. It's one of the things that I found difficult about, I would say, the methodology, if you will, is, you know, oftentimes throughout the book, you know, the, the meaning is not the end goal, right? It's like so. So my, my wife and I will wake up, we'll talk, we'll share a dream. Oh, I think that means this, and maybe that's what this is all about. Oh yeah, case closed, and we move on. Right. What you're suggesting is the book is you need to let that marinate. You need to let that breathe. You need to revisit it over and over and over again. It's a conversation, as you just said. Yeah. Which I think is a really neat way to look at it.
1: Yeah. And let's let's talk a little bit about uh, this idea of meaning. Because if you go back and look at, we have these two words, subconscious and unconscious. And there's a little bit of history in the book about how we got them. Mm-hmm. And they basically say to us implicitly, there's a part of your experience that's less accessible, right? If you look at Genet's definition of subconscious, what happened, I think, is he conflated consciousness with cognition. So we've decided if we can think about it, it's conscious. If we can't think about it, then it's something else, right? It's something less or inaccessible. So that begins to tell us that there is this drive in us to, quote, make sense. I mean, that's your ego. We, we all need to do that, right? we got to get up in the morning. we got to go to work. we got to do our jobs. You know, ego is not a bad thing unless it's taken over the whole show. Mm-hmm. The ego really needs a container to operate in, The essentially the essence of who you are. So it's understandable that we want to extract meaning because without doing that, there's a lot of uncertainty. It's like, sure. I don't know what this means. This I got to go back in this dream. It felt crappy the first time I did that. You know, <laughs> an upsetting dream. I didn't like it. I don't want to go back into it. Right. But when you do, you discover, oh, there's a lot of other stuff in there as well. You know. Um, so, yeah, it's. It's counterintuitive in a way. It's ask inviting chaos into your emotional life <laughs> sure. for the purposes of really expanding your understanding of who you are.
0: Yeah. Well, I love how you know you you, you revisited this uh, idea so many times in the book of allowing more room for your imagination. Yeah. And I think that's so important, right? Yeah. 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 I, I love that. I love that. So there was a part of the book where you did almost like a journaling exercise, but it was like a conversation. And I can't remember, was that your example? I think that was, yeah. your, you know, cause you had a lot of other examples which are fascinating. Yeah. I think that was your own example. So can you share with us a little bit about what that looks like? Cause at first I thought I, okay, I understand this, but then you're actually having a conversation. I'm like, how are you, is this just your imagination running wild and you documenting what's happening in your head? You know, I just, I didn't really understand what was going on. I was fascinated by it. What a neat thing to do. But can you help
1: explain that a little further? Sure. sure. Um, it, it's interesting you use, the, you use the phrase, your imagination running wild, because that's the experience. Like, I got no control over this. Um, so it's something called active imagination. And we credit Carl Jung for sort of bringing it into the Lexicon, uh, as I think I mentioned in the book, you can go back to 10th century Islam. They had a psychology in those days. You will find evident, evidence of it there. So what is it? It's basically going back into a dream and having a conversation with a person or a thing or an animal or whatever it is in that dream to sort of expand the dream. Now, I will tell you the first time this was suggested to me, I thought this was nuts, right? Right. It's like, what are you talking, you know, it's, it's crazy. You can't go back into a dream, except let's use that conversation with the person with the coffee, right? You go back into that all the time. Mm-hmm. You even imagine conversations with people that you know all the time. So- and
0: If you're thinking that sounds crazy, that's the conversation. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. You're doing it. That's exactly. what it is. yep, perfect. Yeah. There is a structure to it because your ego is wanna, gonna wanna get involved, right? your ego is going to want to quote, make sense. So um, the idea and, and and what's in the book was my process, what I did around it, which is there was a character in my dream that I wanted to talk to. So I sat down in front of my computer and literally wrote a script, right? So my side of the script was, you know, will you talk to me? And then yes. And then my next question and so forth. So why do you have to do that? Because if you're doing that, if you're typing and you're thinking about the question and you're hearing the answer, there's not a lot of bandwidth for you to guide that. You're too busy, right? And it's literally going back into your imagination, which is the source of your dream anyway, right? There's a famous story, now I'm gonna forget the guy's name, Robert, Robert Johnson. He's written a bunch of books, he's a Jungian psychologist. And he talks about a guy I won't take you all the way through it but a guy who made who 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 decided he was going to make up all this active imagination stuff that he brought in right and at the end of however many weeks it was he throws down the last chapter of this thing and says ha i fooled you i just made it all up hmm. and johnson sort of pointed out to him yeah you did and your imagination you cannot be inauthentic in your imagination you can, in your ego and your cognition, we can rationalize anything, right? Your imagination is true to yourself. Mm. So whether you are going back into a dream and doing it, or you're just sitting down and literally running a stream of consciousness, it's the same thing. Now, yeah. one distinction. Let's say you sit down and you decide, what would I do if I won the lottery? Okay, now, your ego is driving your imagination. Your ego is in charge. Well, I'd buy a house and I'd give money to this. And, you know, that's a fantasy. Hmm. That's not your imagination. That's your ego taking over your imagination. So there is a difference, you know. And that's why the technique of typing and occupying yourself like that gives your ego very little room to get involved.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I like that. So he, here's the reason why I don't I didn't find that crazy. Is uh I in in Think and Grow Rich with Napoleon Hill, there's a chapter in there where he talks about, I think it's the chapter on the mastermind, but he talks about his council of invisible advisors. Ah. And he basically writes down a list of people who he admires, both living and deceased. And he says, you know, these are the people who I'd like to learn you know character traits from and here are the people whose values i'd like to embody and then every evening for an hour he closed his eyes and went into almost like a meditative state and imagined that these people his counsel was sitting around a table and he'd basically just come to them with a problem (laughs) that he needed a solution for and he'd wait for them to speak up yeah and he was able to do this because he read the biographies. He was close friends with certain people. So he suggested in the book. So, I mean, I I, I value imagination. I I, I get and, and, and appreciate all that. Um, so when I read that, I'm like, oh, that's a really neat. I've never thought about doing that before. My big resistance to that is like, when am I going to find the time <laughs> to, to sit down and script out the dream, you know, it's like, is that five minutes after I wake up, you know, like I'm going to have to put that into my little morning routine Add some more time to yeah. that. So,
1: right, yeah, yeah. it's not, you know, it's interesting because obviously I hear that all the time. Right. I gotta, I, I can't, I don't have time to write this stuff down. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, it's 10 minutes. I mean, yeah. literally, I mean, you can type it on your computer. I mean, I handwrite mine just cause I get into the ritual of that kind of thing, but you can type it up on your computer and, and, the thing about, and then I, (laughs) some people go, well, I'll make some notes. It's like, no, don't make notes because when you tell the dream, so imagine this, when you tell a dream to somebody, what you really want to have the experience of is you and that person sitting in a theater next to each other, watching a play, right? That's the story that's going to come out. Imagine if you were in a theater watching a play, you got into the second act and all the actors stopped and said, Ah, uh, gee, we forgot to tell you about the guy with the pelican and the green shorts in the first act. So we're going to stop. We're going to go back to that, right? Well, that's what happens when you don't write down the story. Hmm. You start telling it and then you go, oh, yeah, there's this other thing. I now you're out of the dream. Now the story is a sort of a jumbly mess, right? right? Because not only do you want the story, you want the emotion of the story, right? And oftentimes the emotion of the story doesn't match the story, you know? You'll be 50 stories in the air with your toes hanging over the edge and a 50 mile an hour wind and you're fine, you know, but the person listening to the dream is going, Oh my God, you know, that's not good. Right. (laughs) Right. And, and then we work with that.
0: So, you know, just like with memories, do those recollections, those emotions fade with time? So is it important to get into that mode, capture it, script it out sooner than later, I would imagine.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you, so the, the, my point of reference really are the people that I work with, right? So usually they're into the process of remembering their dreams. And to that end, a dream is useful probably for two or three days from the standpoint you're describing, right? Because they're going to have another dream. right? And, and so what we want to do is is get as much out of the dream as possible by going back to it and experiencing the various, it's more an emotional experience, right? You're not going to, the story is the story. Um, So yeah, once you sort of get into the idea that dreaming is a very ordinary experience, that you do it all the time, and that this is your process, like, you know, like Napoleon Hill's Thing it's like this is what you do it's uh, and and uh, it becomes a part of your life. Hmm. And it's a part of your life anyway, so you may as well, you know, deal make, with
0: it. Make some use of it. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly right.
0: So let me ask you this: if if we are we're not analyzing because I realize that's not you know a, a friendly word after reading your book. So we're not really, it's not an analysis of the dream. We're not looking to find meaning necessarily. I really liked a big aha moment for me was like, oh, my gosh, there's a belief system. It's there because there's a belief system that I have outgrown. So can you expand on that a little bit further?
1: Yeah, most of the dreams, I'd say probably somewhere between 70 or 80 percent of the dreams that I I deal with are um, dreams about how you're organizing your experience, so, for example, uh, there's a woman I'm working with who's an artist and a singer, and she wants to make a living doing that, and so that's been the focus and what happens? She has a dream about men and the men in her life and her expectations of those men, which let's just summarize and say, is not much, right? So that the dream presents that to her, that your expectations of men is that they're they're really not gonna be there for you, okay? The implicit <clears throat> question is Is this what you want? Because guess what? You can't be the artist and musician you want to be unless you change your expectations in every aspect of your life. Right. So, and now, of course, she could change her expectations and the guys may not step up. I don't know, you know, or they may have already stepped up, which is why she's having the dream to say, Hey, wait a minute. The men in my life are different now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, a lot of times that's what a dream is doing is showing you how you're organizing your experience with the implicit question, is this what you want? Hmm. Um, and and I I love that. a lot of them. Yeah. Yeah. I love that
0: with the, with the um, understanding that there are no guarantees to your point a moment ago.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So you, and, know, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, if we need another word for meaning we can use the word message mm. because that's a message right it's it, and it's informing you in some way it's saying okay think about this look at this right and then the more you do that the more then you go oh yeah i now i now i get this now i get that you know so the end result may be similar to meaning Yep. But I would argue it's more robust. It's more at a feeling level than an intellectual level. Sure. Can
0: it be meaning if I don't close the case and I leave the case open? I'm <laughs> looking <laughs> for meaning, Will.
1: <laughs> well, the only thing about meaning, man, is you're taking something you created in your heart and shoving it up into your head. You right. know? Yeah. I it's get okay. It. I mean, it's, you know, obviously people have gotten benefit out of the analytical process. Yeah. I mean, I would be a lunatic to say that they haven't. I have. I've been in analysis, right? Yeah. It just takes longer.
0: Yeah. No, I like reframing meaning into the message. That that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, well, so you talk about different types of dreams. Right. So can you tell us I think there were three main types of dreams. Is that right?
1: Well two basically that I that I use. Um, now within those two there are subcategories. Okay, yep. As I think I point out in the book, I'm very resistant to this. And the, and I come by it honestly because when I was in working in psychiatric hospitals, I I got immersed in the diagnostic process which is brutal. Basically, you're taking an aspect of someone's existence and labeling them. And it's horrible, right? Um and we kind of need some kind of structure to hang our hats on. So uh, the kind of dreams I was talking to you about before are, are what I call reflecting dreams, literally a mirror. You're standing in front of a mirror. This is what you're seeing. What do you make of that? It's asking you, do you want this behavior? Do you want to see the world in this, this kind of framework? There are a variety of variations on that, like nightmares. When you have a nightmare. I always say to my clients, that's your lucky day, because guess what? You're saying, Hey. Pay attention to this. You know, this is important. Okay. There's another class of dreams that I would call becoming dreams um, where you are getting nudged in a particular direction. Um, Usually there aren't answers. I mean, there's a, I think, I think this dream is in the book where a guy is on a bicycle riding through Mexico City and having all kinds of adventures that are not pleasant. And he's got some, he's got Direction's in his hand that he doesn't look at. (laughs) And then at the end, he looks at it, and he gets this double-winged butterfly that flies up, right? Now, the arc of that dream was basically saying to him, you're leaving where you are. You're leaving this career that you have. And you're headed into something that is A, beautiful, and B, you don't really know what it is. Okay, so that's a becoming dream. Now, sometimes people have dreams that are more specific than that. But usually what they're doing is validating a feeling that you've had that you need to make a change and then pushing you in a particular direction to investigate something. Uh, And oftentimes that investigation, you know, has all kinds of dimensions to it and so forth. Uh, So those are the two big buckets within that, you know, people are always interested in precognitive dreams. And, uh, you know, again, I was a big skeptic. Mm. Uh, I find that mothers have a tremendous number of precognitive dreams. I mean, I had a client who Mm. dreamt that her, her daughter, she took her daughter to the hospital. Well, her daughter's in France. She's in the United States. Woke up the next morning, her daughter's in the hospital. You can say that's a coincidence. I don't think so. I mean, because... Dreams don't deal with linear time. We do, but the dream world doesn't. You go to sleep, you wake up, you look at the clock and say, okay, I slept for eight hours, but you don't feel eight hours. sure, you went to sleep and you woke up. That was your experience. So um, there are different types of dreams within it. but I have to say, Sean, I I, I incur I rarely talk to a client about what type of dream they're having because you know as per our conversation so far it's like that's not really interesting because now where are you you're up here going oh i had a becoming dream that's cool right. right or i had a lucid dream that's even cooler you know then people get into dream envy right <laughs> you like right. the dream somebody else has like no 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 you haven't the dream <laughs> you need relax right um, so i i i put that in the book because i felt like you know there is a there is a need to try and understand something about what these things are about, but, but not much. There's not much of a need. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that makes sense. That's our way of trying to just label and categorize and organize. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Exactly. yeah, it makes sense. So you talked a little bit about the shadow, you know, the light yeah. and the shadow. Can you expand on that a bit?
1: Sure. Um, there's a wonderful book written by Robert Bly. It's called a little book on the human shadow and it's got a great metaphor in it. Um, and, and so we're going to talk about light shadow first. So when you're a kid, a little kid, um, and your dad comes home from work, or your mother comes home from work, or whatever, and you get excited, and you run around the house, and you scream and yell and jump up and down because you're so excited, you get the message pretty early on that, guess what? Don't do that, right? Glad to see you, but less screaming, less running around. You're going to knock something over, all that stuff. So you take that enthusiasm. And to use his metaphor, you put it in a long black bag that you drag around behind you. And through the course of your life, you're constantly taking aspects of who you are and putting them in the bag because you want to fit in, because you want to attract a spouse, because you want to get a job, whatever, right? These, whatever, yeah. Yeah. And then at some point, usually midlife, you want to take some of that stuff back out of the bag, right? That's light shadow. And the issue that we have is that when you want to go take something back out of the bag, let's say, I don't know, you were a painter and you stopped because you couldn't earn a living or whatever it was, right? Well, guess what? It's been dragged around behind you for a couple of decades. Not so happy when you go back in that bag to pull it back out. And you have to begin to deal with the fact that you gave that up. Hmm. And and you have to go through a process of reintegrating it. So that is what we would call light shadow. Many times, what we will do with light shadow is we will put it, we will project it on somebody else. So uh, I'll say to myself, well, yeah, I'd really like to be a painter again, but actually, Sean, you're the painter because I see that you do that. So I'm going to give that to you so I don't have to do it. Okay. Um, we, we see this a lot in relationships, actually. People give stuff to the other person because they don't want to deal with it, even Mm. though it's part of them. Dark shadow is very interesting. You know, it's a very timely question because most of my clients are what we would call high functioning adults. Right. They've got a life that's pretty much together. They want a better life. Okay. Here's what's happening. A lot of them are having dreams in which they are doing violence to people. And it's shocking them. And why is that? Well, because initially because of COVID, a lot of what we sort of signed up for in terms of reality is disintegrating, right? So I'll give you an example. I live in New Mexico. 30% of the kids in New Mexico go to sleep hungry every single night. Now, I knew that a couple of years ago. and obviously I don't think that's right. Okay. Now I feel in my gut, there's something really wrong with the fact that we have rationalized that it's okay for kids to go to sleep hungry. Hmm. And I think we're being confronted with that all over the place in many different ways. Now, so what's happening here? usually if we're looking, let's go back to light shadow. So usually what's happening is you're going to have a dream that's going to say something to you like, okay, you know, you're deciding you can't do this. Is that really what you want to decide? Right? So then you go out and get some experience, you go try it. And there's a feedback loop, right? Your dreams keep informing you. Yeah, that was cool. Or, you know, what about this or whatever? Now it's almost the reverse. Mm -hmm. Now reality is hitting us in the face and we're talking to ourselves and saying, Guess what, Slick? You're doing violence. You can't just sit there and pretend the way you've been pretending that you're not. Mm. You know, we're all responsible. What do you do? I, you know, that's individual. Everybody figures out sure. you know, what they're going to do. But that's the difference. Dark shadow is all the things that is, you know, murder rape theft you know all the things that we have decided as a society you can't do even though the capacity to do them and I think this is true lies with all of us okay I mean you know if we took away your house and your money and your all your possessions and put you on the street you you would have to figure out how to survive you might steal to survive you know depends on the circumstances you're in most of us lead lives where that doesn't come up. But I think it's coming up culturally for all of us, this dark shadow. And it's not a question, I want to be very clear about this, because so you don't we don't get cards and letters about this. It's not a question that, oh, the United States is a terrible place. That's irrelevant. Okay. We've done some beautiful, wonderful, fantastic things. We've done some horrible, hideous things. When you are in a process of growth, you confront The aspects of yourself that are not so great. Hmm. Otherwise, you can't change them. So that's what this is about, I think. Um, And like I said, on an individual level, I'm seeing more and more of these dreams where people are casting themselves as the perpetrators of violence.
0: Hmm. That's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fascinating. So, can I share with you one of Hmm. my, I would call it a recurring dreams?
1: Okay,
0: I've had for you know as long as I can remember, but probably ten, fifteen years. Um, is that okay?
1: Yeah, let's set it up um, from the standpoint that uh, I'm going to ask you two questions before you tell us a dream. Okay. Okay. First of all, and the other thing is, I'll take notes, and it's not because I'm writing the. It's I can hear better if I'm not looking at you. Okay. All right. So I'm going to ask you: Are there people in this dream that you know? besides myself yeah besides yourself no okay are there places that you know
0: it's a quick dream okay Uh, so yeah i guess there's one place
1: yeah where what is it my bedroom bedroom okay your current bedroom
0: uh no
1: where when was this bedroom
0: like 0. a few months ago. We recently moved. So I guess the okay. answer would be yes okay. in that case. Yep.
1: All right. Okay. So the reason I'm asking those questions we talked about before, I don't want you to stop and say, Oh yeah, that's my bedroom from the last house, right? So right. we're gonna get we're just gonna get the story now, okay? Um okay, so just tell us the dream.
0: Okay. So in the dream, I wake up and I'm in a panic because I have either a test or an assignment to do. I'm back in school and I'm way behind. I've slacked off and I'm completely unprepared. And I realize that without this assignment or without passing this test, whatever it is that I'm unprepared for, I won't pass the class and graduate. And it happens. It's a quick dream. I mean, in my dream, I wake up. That's what's going through my brain. It seems like it happens in an instant. And then I actually wake up, uh, in the real world, so to speak. And I feel like this unbelievable sense of relief that I'm where I am today and that I'm no longer back in that place where I was, um, really behind behind the eight ball as it pertained to my studies.
1: Okay. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so let's go back to the beginning of the dream. So you, you're in your bedroom, you, and in the dream, you wake up. Now, is your wife there? In the real world? No. I hope so. In, no, in the dream. I never, I never thought to check.
0: <laughs> so um, in the
1: dream, she's not present.
0: I don't think I'm aware of her. Yeah, okay. I, I feel like I'm back in school. You know? Okay.
1: And back in school, meaning college? Yes. Okay. And do you know what this class is that you haven't been to?
0: Uh, Yes, it's a French class. So what's interesting is it's a very specific French class that I took in high school, but my concern is that I won't graduate and I'll be short on credits and it's for college.
1: Okay. Okay. And just what's your recollection of that French class in high school?
0: Very cute, distracting teacher. Okay. Um, I went to an all boys military high school. uh, So she was a big deal for many of us. Right. Um, Didn't really have a lot of interest in learning the language at the time was kind of just putting in my time and trying to just get a decent grade, but I was constantly behind on everything, uh, study okay. you know, homework, quizzes, tests. I, I never did very well because I didn't apply myself, but okay. that was kind of a common theme for me. It wasn't just that, but for whatever reason, it's specific to that French class.
1: Okay. And when did you start having this dream?
0: 10, 15 years ago. I, I've, like I said, I mean, almost for as long as I can remember, I've had a, a very similar dream to that. If not what I believe is the same dream, whether that's possible or not, I'm not sure.
1: Well, there's always usually a nuance. You, you have a tough time telling yourself the same story because circumstance, but, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, okay. So when was the last time you had this dream?
0: It's been a little while, probably six to nine months
1: ago, I would say. And 6 to 9 months ago what was going on in your life?
0: Hmm. Holidays probably, right? Uh
1: right? Okay. What was going on professionally?
0: Yeah, I guess I was embarking on a new career path. I was about to write my first book. Really, nine months ago? You started writing it? I started writing in February, yeah.
1: Okay, okay.
0: Okay. I, I knew my, my intention at the end of 2019, the beginning of this year was, you know this is the year. So, I mean, it was a very uh, strong intention that I had for myself to write a book. And and, 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 and and to also kind of embark on a new career path as well.
1: Okay, Okay, so this feeling that you wake up with. So I I just want to get some clarity on it because there's a feeling as you tell it that you wake up and have the awareness, oh my God, right? But then in the telling of it, you say you knew you were behind and slacking off. So what do I want to ask? I want to ask you, as you wake up in this sort of panic, what am I trying to ask you? It, it, this it, In the telling of it, there feels like there's, there's this conflict. Because on the one hand, there's this chronic behavior that you're just not doing what you're supposed to do. And then in the dream, there's like, oh, my god. Now we're really in trouble. Is right. that right? Is that that's? Yeah, that's, I, I think that's accurate. I think that's okay. accurate. And then there's
0: that sense of relief when I wake up, like, oh, my gosh, thank goodness I'm not back in that place. I'm here and I've got this. Kind okay. Of.
1: Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> if we go back to the idea that this dream um, is showing you a, a way of organizing your experience that you're ready to leave, what does that tell you?
0: I would say that I'm ready, that I'm not the same person I used to be, that I've grown a lot since then.
1: Okay. And we also know that you have this dream repeatedly. So taking both those ideas, why do you think you keep having it?
0: Well, going back to what's in the book, I would say maybe it's to shed this belief system that I'm not ready or I haven't come far enough or, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's two ways to look at dreams like this usually. One is that they're a reminder to you of humility. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to take your dream for a minute. I have a dream like this whenever I'm about to do take the next step okay and I experience it as listen up boyo you know don't get too in over you know don't get too egotistical here because you're human you know and if you don't pay attention you can screw this up that's one way to look at it my sense about you and in you know kind of I don't know a lot about you but we've had a couple of conversations is that it's more aligned with what you just said it's more aligned with the idea that there's a story you have about your past that i'm sure has a lot of elements of truth in it Mm -hmm. but it's not the truth you've organized that experience in this way right cute teacher Not really that interested, gonna try and get a grade, but see, you know, the whole deal with school was not really your thing. And so, because we get grades, because we get measured in school, you've got a story about that experience. Now, I don't know what else there was, but I guarantee you there was more than that. Sure. Something was happening with you as a human being that was saying, okay, I'm in this thing, I'm going to this school, but this is not. This is not who I am. This is not how I learned. This is not whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't know that, right? Hmm. So this dream keeps coming up because I'm gonna make a guess here. You still got this story going on. Hmm. And it's asking to be revised. It's asking in a funny way that you go, you go rethink this because I have to feel that. The reason you're doing what you're doing today is because of some experience you had that you're not you're not recognizing hmm. in the past. You know, because when you describe it, it's kind of like, well, I was sort of a screw up, but now I got my act together, right? Right. Okay. Life's not really like that. You know, it's a progression.
0: I still don't have my act together. Just to clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute, Will. I'm a hot right. mess. Just less of a hot mess. Yeah.
1: That there I'm, you go. Right.
0: 20 <laughs> Another
1: 20. It'll be a little better. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah.
1: Cool. You know. So it, it, it might be useful for you to just sort of do some exploring in your own mind about your experience and what may come up or people you remember, or, or maybe this woman not only was hot looking, but represented something else to you, you know? Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, that's great. Well, now that we've lost all the audience members, (laughs) very deep rabbit hole. I appreciate this. It's free coaching, right? So thanks, Bill. That was. was I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about how people can find you, how they can find your book, And, and actually, if we can take a step back, what what else do you offer? You have a book, but your Your business offers other things so can you you said coaching and can you just help us understand what else it is yeah uh
1: so i mean i guess i'm a coach i mean i'm a certified coach i don't know how much i identify with that profession um well it's a label label. label. (laughs) well yeah i think there's a gaelic uh uh title called anamkara which means soul friend which resonates with me a little bit better. So yes, I have a private practice for people who want to work with dreams. And I don't charge for a consultation because I don't know if I can help somebody. So if somebody's serious about being interested in this work, then go on my website and get in touch. We'll set up an hour. The second thing is that I teach a class. And it used to be just for coaches. And now it's pretty much for everybody. And I had the last class of the year starts September 15th. And again, you can find out more information. It's a six-week deep dive cool into the dream world and uh, starts September 15th. And and then the books on Amazon is probably the easiest way to find it. You can also get it on my website.
0: Cool. Awesome. And your website, willsharon.com. Is that right? Yep,
1: That's right. That's it. Yeah.
0: Willsharon.com. Okay, cool. Um, Before we go today, can you share with us, maybe, I don't know if you're allowed to share a client's experience, but like what's the craziest thing you've ever heard, whether it was from a client, if you're okay with sharing it, or if it's just from your own personal experience, my dream was kind of boring, right? So <laughs> it was something exciting. What's the craziest dream story you've ever heard about and what was the you know, takeaway from it?
1: Well, <clears throat> there's a, th- let me tell you a dramatic story of, of a client's experience. So I had a client who was a fairly senior guy in a hedge fund. Okay, And uh, I don't know, he had about three houses and all the stuff you have in that life. And as we started working, he kept having dreams about dogs and specifically golden retrievers. It turned out what he really wanted to do was he really wanted to raise golden retrievers. But he didn't even have a dog because he worked like 14 hours a day and his life was, and it's, it was impossible. He wasn't going to have a dog. Okay so we went around and around on that for a while and i said to him look how about this how about <clears throat> just as a hobby you find out everything you can find out about raising these dogs golden retrievers right so we did i mean he was one of those guys who if you give him a project it's like he's into it he found out everything how you build the kennels what you feed them, where all that stuff right one day <clears throat> the hedge fund goes out of business Boom, gone, right? Within nine months, he had divested himself of the properties, bought a farm, and raised dogs. Now, to me, that's probably the most dramatic example I have in my practice, in my experience, of someone stepping into who they really were, right? And it's dramatic because this guy had built you know what? I mean, we can imagine what that life is like, right? You go to work, there's huge amounts of money, you're spending all kinds of money, you got all these obligations, there's economic enterprise going on. Very difficult to turn that ship, you know? Right. And so, you know, whether you believe in God or the universe or whatever it was, it was like, okay, boy, are you not going to do this for yourself? Here you go. Whammo, you know? No more job. Right. And, uh, hmm. And and so that's an example of really how working with dreams, I mean, it's an extreme one, but really shapes the path you're on um, and the path you want to go down.
0: I love that. I especially liked what you talked about when it came to like, you know, okay, take it on as a hobby or an interest and go do all the things. Take the actions and do all the activities that someone who is looking to do this might do. Because you hear the same thing like, oh, I want to open a restaurant.
1: Right. Cool.
0: So go get a job as a busser and then then go work the register and then go work the back and the dishwasher. You know, get a familiar sense of what that looks like, what that entails and work your way through that and up so that you're absolutely sure you want to take out this loan, right? Or whatever (laughs) it is. Yeah. And that lease, hire these people, take on payroll, you know, let let's... Kind of walk before we run with this concept. So I, I love what you're, you're you're talking about.
1: You know, and to that point, I would just say quickly that I often find that people have built infrastructure that they're not really even aware of. Mm. You know, they have figured out how to learn some skills that are aligned with what they're going to end up doing, and it's not in awareness. You know, they they just do this stuff because they did it. Right? This guy was a little was a little clear. But it was a hobby. Right. Sure. But sometimes, you know, if you look at your own life, I look at mine, it's like, how the heck did I end up doing this? Right. Right. Well, you know, I was an actor for a while, so I know how to stand in front of a camera and blah, 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 blah. Right. There are skills that I accumulated along the way. So, yeah, yeah. that's cool.
0: Okay, so to find you, to work with you, to buy your new book, you said willsharon.com is where we can find you. Yep. I have some friends, I think, who would love to work with you and, and I would probably love to work with you at the right time. So how can I label you? <laughs> 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 because if I say, hey, friend, you got to meet this guy, your soul friend, that not <laughs> so well. So,
1: you, can do, you can tell him I'm a coach that, that does dream
0: work. Dream work. Cool. Yeah, because yeah, you're not analyzing dreams. Right point you're not really analyzing anything. So a coach that specializes in dream work. I love that. Yeah. So yeah. that's what your you would call your niche, so to speak, or where your specialization is, is in dream work. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show today. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, cool. Um, what's one if if we could ask you just one more message you could share with us today. If there's one thing you would want the audience to take away after our discussion, what what might that be?
1: That your dreams are ordinary. They're an ordinary aspect of your experience. They're not mystical or magical or inaccessible. Being a human being is mystical and magical, but not dreams. It comes with the package, you know. It's like seeing and thinking and dreaming. So why ignore them? You know, they're there. They're free. Uh, and, and they will inform you in ways that you won't get through your own thinking process. That's what I would want people to understand.
0: I love it. I love it. Cool. All right. Will Sharon, Dreaming in the 21st Century is his new book. Will, thanks again for being here on the show. This was a lot of fun.
1: Okay. Take care of yourself, man.
0: All right. Sean here again. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you can catch future episodes. Also, go ahead and give it an honest rating so you can let other people know what you thought of the show. Take care and make it a great day.